to dream, cowboys. Welcome back, everybody. It's the HBO Boys. We're talking about His Dark Materials, Season 2, Episode 2. See, I was like, oh, I don't I don't need to have I can just remember the title of the episode. I don't need to have the tab open. I'm not an idiot. I can remember two words. <laughs> it's entitled The Cave. <laughs> Did not expect that. What? Same directors last time, Jamie Childs, and written by Jack Thorne and Francesca Gardner, who as a writer is new to the show. And we're going to recap and review it. I'm James, and this is uh, the new host of the show, Chad. No, oh, no, man. No, we have a friend named Chad. That's not me. I'm Ryan. I'm also the host of the show. <laughs> Listen, I listened to back to the first episode of His Dark Materials, and I was like, who is that guy? That guy sucks, okay? That guy's saying facts like they matter or people care. He hasn't said one funny thing in 20 minutes. I'm not going to be that guy, okay? That's not me. I'm way more chill. So I'm a G. I'm just, I'm a chill out. You, you go. Talk about his dark materials, bro. All right, well, if we're doing voices. Uh, I, what I just, voice, I, man? <laughs> this is how I talk. I'm not going to go all the way, but uh, I would like to lower my voice a little bit to sound uh, a little more manly because I also listen back to the episodes and I'm like, oh, it's an episode with Ryan and some uh, valley girl named James. Oh, don't do that to yourself, man. <laughs> oh, no, man. You know, you have a perfect voice. You have a perfect family, perfect life. You're going to be great. Chill out, man. <laughs> Sorry, just a sec. Uh, that's fine. Sorry, I'm a method actor. I always stay in character. Fucking hurry up. All right. <laughs> so episode two kind of... Well, episode one ended on a cliffhanger of like a monster behind Will, and we don't see the resolution of that scene. Whoa, dude. Uh, I, I'm, I, you know me. You know how chill I am. But like, tell everybody about Patreon, dude. Oh, yeah. By the way, before we get into the recap, uh, you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com slash HBO Boys, where you get uh, bonus content, as well as a Discord chat We can talk to Ryan and I, and uh, you'll get your name shouted out in the credits of the show. That's true. Before this, we talked about Murder on Middle Beach, a murder documentary that occurred in the town next to where we grew up. So uh, you can go on over there. And, like, hear our discussion about it that happened just, like, moments before. And I wasn't ba- I wasn't that chill back then. But, uh, you know, you got to ramp up. His Dark Materials. And, by the way, I'm not mad at you for missing on that Patreon thing, man. I can't be mad. I'm, that, I'm just so chill. Well, it's interesting that you're doing, like, the meta conversation of, of things that I assume might get cut out, but still in character. Nah, this is all in. <laughs> I'm the Marlon Brando of chill. Episode one kind of ended on a cliffhanger where Will was going to be like attacked by a monster and have his soul torn out. And then we don't see the resolution of that. So maybe his soul got torn out and we'll find that out later. Who knows? Episode two glosses over that. We start with them getting ready to travel to presumably what is our world. And Lyra wants to dress like a fantasy character, and Will's like, no, you got to dress boring, because we're going to regular Earth. Right, and Pan is still a red panda, which is bar none, chillest animal, coolest looking one, psyched Pan still a pan. But Pan got to get in a backpack, which he's not excited about. But listen, animals don't talk in Will's world slash our world, so you got to hide. And right, a Will got attacked by a goddamn shadow monster last episode. And then they're like, <laughs> not talking about that. <laughs> That's not very chill. 
They take the window back to regular Oxford, and as soon as they get there, we can see that Lord Boreal, the bad guy from season one, is already in our world, and he as he was staking them out, well, like, all day, every day, for days, just staking out the window, and, and he sees them come through. A man after my own heart, 100% patient. Lyra gets run over by a car, like an idiot, immediately walking through the portal and then into the street. I mean, oh no, girl, you gosh dang got hit by a vehicle. Okay, look left, look right. It's not. This this world is way less chill, way more high octane. So, like the the chill character that you're doing, <laughs> what character? Uh, Johnny Chill. Sure. <laughs> this this character that you're doing, right? Um, <laughs> Is like the I feel like the commentary is more or less the same. Maybe just perhaps maybe like a two times as chill as normal. Right. But it's it's just a little bit throwing me off. Uh huh. <laughs> You're not able to do your job. <laughs> but I you know I I I I don't think you should be so hard on on yourself, Ryan. I I, I think uh, your color commentary is top notch. Oh, that's nice. You're wrong, but anyway. <laughs> You just want me to stop. I get it. I'm not going to, though. That's not very chill. What are you drinking? Your blood? (laughs) With ice? Gross. All right. (laughs) They go together to Oxford University, and Lyra is disappointed that it's not like a cool or interesting fantasy university. She's like, oh, this is just a boring place where people go to school. I'm not going to learn about dust here. Which, I mean, Will tried to tell her that. He's like, yeah, it's not really like a magical place. Like, we're not going to Hogwarts. It's just going to be a regular school without any dust or talking animals. And Lyra's like, nah, I'm sure it'll work out. Yeah, it's going to be fine. Also, she's taken aback because the Magisterium isn't here to quell all of the technology that is in Will slash our world. So she's just like, you know, what is going on here? Where is Jordan College? Why does everybody have a phone? What do you use that phone for? Question mark. While they're sneaking around, Lyra tells Will, he's like, oh, by the way, I checked you out in the Golden Compass and it said you're a murderer, but it's cool because it said you're a kindly murderer. And Will's like, hey, that's fucked up. Don't say that to me. Yeah, don't bring (laughs) that up again. How dare you say it in the first place? Me and you are barely friends. Lyra, weird last name. Kindly F off. You know what she should do about calling him a murderer, James? Mm -hmm. Do you know? he, He ought to say like, no, it was my cat. My cat killed the guy. I was going to say chill, but but also, yeah, the cat did kill the guy because cats don't want anyone to be happy. And if if cats had the chance, they would murder us all. He gets messages from his mom. I guess you know he's now he's got cell reception and, and she's looking for him because what his mom knows is that he ran away for a couple of days and he goes off to see her and he leaves Lyra all alone. He breaks the first rule of D&D. You never split up. Right, it's the buddy system. He violated the sanctity of the buddy system. The opposite of chill. Hot, hot. Hot, hot heat. They go to a natural history museum, Pan and Lyra, that is, and they ask the compass where to find an expert on dust, and it tells them they will find a scholar who can help them at St. Peter's College and not to lie to the scholar. And it also says they need to help Will find his father. And and I'm mistaken, like, as she's moving through the museum, like... Some of the artifacts have, like, glowing eyes behind her or something? Yeah, they are assumably reacting to the dust that is landing atop Lyra, so 
they have some subconscious connection to dust that they perhaps around normal people have never actually done before and then immediately lord boreal's been following her the entire time sad but he plays it cool he's like hey uh i'm the bad guy here's my card if you ever want to talk yeah this in among us terms is called marinating so lyra and pan end up going to st peter's college and they meet a professor there named dr maloney and at first she just plays everything straight she's like i'm from another world covered in dust it's magic dust the magisterium hates it i think it's good and professor like "Uh uh-huh uh-huh this means nothing to me do you need to see a doctor or a doctor who's not the kind of doctor that i am so maloney huh did they say that out loud does it rhyme with baloney i'm pretty sure lyra's like later on when she meets will she's like i met dr baloney she's gonna (laughs) help me Dr. Mary Bologna. All right. Well, I thought it was Malone, but that's fine. Yeah, she's Lyra, that is, tells Maloney, and she's not being believed, obviously. And it's just like, show her pan. Yeah, right. Show her, pull out your talking animal and just settle all of this. She does not. No, she got to take the long expositional way forward. So maloney is sympathetic to lyra because lyra comes off as very genuine i guess and she explains that she researches dark matter specifically something called shadow particles which according to dr maloney are the particles that make up like the edges of reality or something yeah it's just a less eloquent way to say dust and you know dark matter is a real thing that real people in our world study on a daily basis and calling them shadow particles i'm not sure if that's real or not i bet it is but also i think it's just like a reference to the shadows in the cave of plato's story right plato wrote that Mm -hmm. cool all trained like did did plato write plato's cave yes perfect i knew that (laughs) well well dude you're so abrasive of you chill out you know dr maloney has built this like machine so it's like a containment field that holds shadow particles and when you hook something up to the machine it's very unclear how exactly this works you attach some diodes to a rock and then the shadow particles are like analyzing or interacting with the rock in some way which causes them to vibrate in a way that manipulates like these uh, harmonic lines on the computer screen don't think too much about how yeah, it works so on and so forth <laughs> it's a dust translator right yeah it's End a dust story. reader the big computer is called the cave by the way that's the name of the episode so when she says it's called the cave i was like haha there it is there's the name of the episode they said it they said the word the words that happened so when you hook shit up to the cave it it basically it vibe checks the the shadow particles how do you feel about this thing i'm hooking it up to and they react in some way which you could see on the computer and so she hooks up the rock nothing she hooks up the apple a little bit of something she hooks up the chinese fortune telling device the I Ching. and i know the I Ching as a book but she has a box i don't really know what's going on with the book but it's fortune telling and when she hooks the fortune telling box up to the computer the shadow particles are vibing like crazy like tarot cards so the method of reading the I Ching that i know is like you flip a bunch of coins and it gives you a number and the number corresponds to a fortune but hers is like a box so like a simple version of an altheometer perhaps i guess kind of if you think about it because there's like 
there's like 64 different fortunes that you can get from the I Ching. This is something I know about because I actually I did a paper on it in college. I wasn't judging. You can get 64 different fortunes from the I Ching based on how you flip the coins or how you draw the sticks. You know, also like a pickup sticks version of it. And it gives you like a general like horoscope typey fortune, right? So I think this box one is just kind of like there are 64 sticks with a Chinese character written on them and you pull a stick out and it, that's that's your fortune for the day or whatever. So it is, it's similar to the Golden Compass in that the Golden Compass like spins around and there's a bunch of different symbols, right? It's kind of similar like in that way. I didn't think about it that way. You're a pretty astute guy, Ryan. Yeah, well, that's what the chillness bestows upon you. Astutiness. <laughs> and then also she hooked it up to her brain to vibe check her brain to the dark particles, the shadow particles rather. And, you know, it, it vibed the hardest when she was like trying to basically like meditate and 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 think about the essence of nothingness right it is in my experience that meditating is like sitting on the ground and pretending your thoughts are clouds so like the more clouds your thoughts are the more dust is like oh okay we could chill here in order to prove herself to Dr. Maloney, Lyra uses the golden compass and, you know, she's like, ask me something nobody knows. Okay, what did I do before I was a professor? Oh, according to the golden compass, you were a nun and then you quit because you found out religion is fake. And she's like, you're right. I did find that out. Shit. Anyway, still hasn't shown Pan. Pan's not being showed to Maloney once in this episode. I don't understand it. Did they run out of money? I don't know. She has to be taken to the cave and when they go there, they hook Lyra up. And she is able to consult the shadow particles basically the same way she does the golden compass. And it's interesting, like, basically, Professor Maloney has built a high-tech, please God, atheometer. Did I get it? I mean, there's an L in there. God damn. I say altheometer, but to be fair, perhaps it's a silent L. I don't know. Any hoozles. The point is, they huck Lyra up, the shit explodes, the conscious dust is straight up answering questions for Lyra and Lyra can now translate like this machine. If the, what was the name of the box, James? The I Ching. Yeah. If that was a rudimentary version of the altheometer, the cave is like the international space station version of an airplane from the cave to the altheometer. I mean, it's just straight up. It's such a good translator that it can happen in real time and in front of Lyra. So she's asking it questions and then it just starts talking to her in the language of the altheometer. And she's like, oh, this is perfect. I just kind of want to stay here forever. Shit, it's 5 p.m. I have to go meet Will. Shit, I have to go by. But she does tell her a few things. It's like, oh, you're going to go on a journey. You're super important. Make sure to take the I Ching box with you. And it's like, can you come back tomorrow? And Lyra's like, sure. Even though like, do you know that you can come back tomorrow for sure, Lyra? It's kind of a mean thing if you yeah, ask no. to come and then don't. No way she's going to come back. She's totally getting kidnapped. So across Oxford, Will tries to go home, but he sees that like there is someone at home with his mom, so he doesn't end up going in to see her. I mean, yeah, the guy who he left his mom with is there. Surprise. Not surprising. He then goes to see his father's lawyer, who apparently, like, I don't know, his, his dad was like, if you're ever in need, go see my lawyer. Okay. And he tells that lawyer that he needs all the money, and the lawyer's like, no, you're tiny and young, but you can go ask your grandparents. And he's like, hey, goddamn, excuse me? I have grandparents? 
Okie dokie, I will go see the old white people and ask them for my goddamn money. When he goes to see his grandparents, he tries to get the funds. His grandpa's upset. It's like, oh, you didn't come here to meet your grandparents. You're just after money for your mom's drug addiction or whatever. And Mm. as that's happening, the private eye is like being informed by grandma, like, hey, Will is here. And... And then Grandma starts pressing Will for information, so he runs away at full speed. Yeah, Grandpa's big mad, calls the police like a total douchebag, and Will is completely sus and vibe checks his way out of there while his grandparents sell him out immediately. So, you know, the lesson is trust no one. Lyra and Will end up meeting back together, but Lyra's totally late, which is bad for Will because he's like dodging the cops and a private eye. And he's like, well, I was off risking my life to try to help you. You were, you know, playing Pokemon Go with some professor. And uh, Lyra's like, no, what actually I was doing was really important. I'm helping to learn more about dust. And by the way, if you really want to, you know, fix your situation, we need to talk to the Golden Compass. And I was and playing they- Clash of Clans. So right. shut your goddamn mouth. The altheometer tells them I've that- said it so many times. <laughs> And by the way, the way I say it is almost like it's not for sure the way to say it. I just like how that I this kind of proves that when I'm talking, your brain just shuts off and you listen zero percent. No, I just like I'm reading what I wrote down here and I can I can write it down. I just can't say it. You know what? And you whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Accusing is not chill. <laughs> You're thanks, man. You're a great friend. It tells them. That Will's father is still alive, shocker, and uh, actually your mom's going to be okay. The dude that you left her with, I'm not, I don't truly remember what that dude's deal is. He's the coach. Okay. Golden Compass says he's cool. That's good enough for me. And they both kind of bond over how they're sort of orphans now. Orphans for life. (laughs) Orphan murderers, because they also feel responsible Mm. for someone's death. The two of them. Everyone in fiction is an orphan murderer. Okay, you're not special. And I don't know, they, they basically just end the episode, like, with a greater resolve to work together. Is this, like, a budding romance or something? I don't, is that where this is going? Yes. Okay. Just just checking. Will they, won't they? Question mark. And then we also, like, the last scene in Oxford is Maloney, like, telling her other professor, like, I met a magic girl. She helped me do a magic thing. And he's like, well, that's all well and good, Maloney. But, you know, we're we're dying for cash in this department. And, you know, if you can't find a way to make money out of your shadow particles, we're probably going to let you go. I roll dumb scene. So dumb. <laughs> yeah, I didn't understand what the point of that of introducing that particular hanging plot line is like oh no the department's underfunded she could have said one line to lyra be like i mean it's not a department or a something to research that brings in a whole lot of money but i like it blah 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 it made me stop being religious blah 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 you could have done one goddamn line is the dude in that scene the director's buddy or so back in lyra's world the the b plot of this episode the Magisterium is holding a funeral for the Cardinal who died at the end of the last episode. And this is kind of McPhail solidifying his control. He's like, not the new Cardinal yet, but he's acting Cardinal. They're going to have an election. And so he's giving a big speech where he's like, I swear I'm going to catch the person that killed the Cardinal. It wasn't me. And the person who did do it is going to be punished. And everyone's like, yeah, it wasn't you. Punishment. Woo. Woo. You know what the least chill thing is, James? Mm -hmm. Asserting your dominance during a funeral speech. Right. Very classy. Classy. McPhail. 
<laughs> McPhail. <laughs> we should start saying McPhail the way that yeah. uh, McFly McPhail said son. in Back to the Future. Boyle goes back to the Magisterium and meets with Miss Coltier, and they're talking about the upcoming election. They both support McPhail. And each of them tries to ask the other about, like, their side hustle that they've got going on. And they both don't want to share that information. Yeah, Boreal is like, hey, your daughter. And she was like, don't goddamn talk about my daughter, you son of a bitch. She's like, hey, where do you go when you're not here? He's like, ah, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, great. Good talk. The Magisterium, in one of their big hearings, calls forward this diplomat who represents the witches' faction. And he's here to try to settle down what happened, because they don't want to start a war. This is Dr. Martin Lancelius. We have seen this boy before. He was in the armor episode. I can't exactly remember what he was doing there. But now he's here as a peace envoy from the witches. Which is dumb. By the way, yeah, he 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 he's just here to exposit. Yeah. Also, the witches can fly mm-hmm. and stab people at light speed. Right. Why do they need a peace envoy? Why aren't they just stabbing everybody? This is dumb. The main takeaways from what this guy's testimony is that like the witches don't want to go to war. The witches are good. Also, the witches have developed a demon separation technique where they can move really far away from their demons. Hey, what's going on, Miss Coltier? Don't you know something about this? Yeah, she looks around like, hmm, I don't like that that's being said out loud. I have definitely done something exactly like that. That's why I can get far away from my little monkey guy. And then also from this scene, we find the struggle for leadership in the magisterium between Father McPhail and Father Graves, who is prosecuting Dr. Martin Lancelius and calling him a prisoner and saying things like, how dare you? You're blasphemous. He's just trying to assert his I'm a big talker role. Yeah, and this is just his like, stump speech. Right. He's like, look how tough I am on fat bald guys. Vote for me. And in response, Father McPhail sentences Dr. Lancelius to eight years hard labor and Damon captivity, which is uh, ostensibly not peace. Yeah, we have a scene with the witches. They're in the woods arguing about what to do next now that they've killed the leader of the Magisterium. And there's the killer witch from the last episode. And she's like, let's just take the war to them and just fuck them up before they could fuck us up. Good point. The other witch is like, no, that would be a wrong-hearted. We ought to just find some kind of peace accord. Shake my head. After the trial, Coltier and McPhail are talking about, like, an election strategy. And she's like, you need to, to show, you know, a massive show of force. That's the only language these guys speak. Just show them how much of a strong man you can be. And McPhail's like, well, that's not really me, but I can try. She says, show some dot, dot, dot strength. And everyone was like, oh, she meant balls. And then he was like, should I bomb everything? And she was like, you should bomb everything. So later that night, McPhail signs like an executive order (laughs) calling for the extermination of all the witches. And then afterwards, he's like, I didn't have to do that. And it was probably the wrong thing to do. But in doing it, I get to be priest president. So I'm going to do it and then feel bad and then burn my hand on a candle because of how bad I feel. That's his version of putting soap in his mouth. But also, I think he's afraid because he knows that he just did the final solution to the witches, but they're definitely not all going to die because, you know, 
they can again fly at goddamn light speed and stab people. So he's just like, what has this hubris brought upon me? I shall be the new leader. But, you know, I just watched the old leader get stabbed at light speed like moments ago. How am I not going to get stabbed at light speed? I'm totally going to get stabbed at light speed. I am fearful. Meanwhile, Cotier goes down to the dungeons or whatever and goes to see Thorold, who's Azrael's assistant from season one. And he basically tells her about all the things that happened at the end of the first season. Like, yeah, Azrael was going to kill your daughter, but then he found another kid. So he was just happy to kill him instead. And they both walked into the portal. And Cotier is like, shit, I sure wish someone would have told me this instead of lying to me about it. But thank you. She now knows that Lyra was there. She was like feet away from her but didn't know and that lyra followed lord asriel through the portal and is worlds away at some point later on i guess maybe later on that day out at sea the magisterium airships are loading their bombs to carpet bomb the witch's islands at the same time the high priests are gathering to vote on the next cardinal and as they bomb the absolute shit out of the witch's homes mcphail does get elected cardinal by a unanimous decision and the two witch queens who were arguing earlier are now watching in horror as their people get destroyed. And it's kind of why both Why are they faults. watching? Yeah, why don't they just fly up and pop the dir- dirigibles? Yeah, great question, James. Pretty easy to take down. <laughs> they can fly. What is the Hindenburg for a thousand? Rip, Alex. But it is it is both their faults. Like, the war witch shouldn't have started shit if she didn't think they could follow through with it. Don't start shit if you ain't gonna end shit. And the peace witch should not have been so committed to peace, like, after it was already on. Like, right. if you're gonna hit the king, you gotta kill the king. Like... <laughs> Man. This episode is called The Cave, but this episode of this podcast should just be like, TikTok memes and other stuff. <laughs> So at the end of the episode, McPhailson is trying to thank Coultier, but she's not into that. She's pissed off because the Magisterium keeps, like, lying to her about what's going on with Lyra and stuff and the many worlds. And so she basically leaves. She's like, I now have a ton of leverage on you because we murdered a guy together. Mm-hmm. And so now I get to do whatever I want from now on right. because you're the new president and you and I killed someone together. And so I have carte blanche to just do everything. Not just somebody, the old president. And yeah, you're the president. I'm blackmailing you immediately. Blackmail is super chill. And he's just like, well, where are you going? Are you going to try to find Lord Asriel? And she's like, no, you dink. I'm going to go try to find something much more valuable. To which I assume she means the subtle knife or Lyra. I don't know. One of those things. She's going to track down Lin-Manuel Miranda and get the script for Hamilton and then produce it before he gets a chance to and she's gonna have a billion dollars that's some dastardly ass shit and i hope she succeeds so i mean they're still going strong i can't really the thing is like every episode of this show and and you know this was a huge problem in other shows this season specifically westworld and raised by wolves where like it's an hour or more, but it feels like three hours. These episodes seem to bounce by quite quickly. Oh, I don't so know quick. if it's it's because of they're well written or well directed, or it's just because I'm interested in what's happening. But you know, it's nice to have a show that does not feel like a slog. To be honest, based on some of the other stuff we watched this year, I 100 percent agree. The story is just better. No. Uh-huh. And the witch's stuff is genuinely annoying. I think it's going to be the entire time. How do you watch your homeland be destroyed when you are 
a super saiyan go deal with it (laughs) exactly i feel like this is going to you know 90 percent talking about how this is a beautiful story a updated adam and eve allegory that is anti-christianity anti-catholicism anti-religion altogether and pro yourself you have to make your own way in this world you can't wait for an omnipotent being to get you there you have to be a Lyra Silvertongue, not so much a Father McPhail. And... Father McPhail compilation. Ex- yeah. And all of that's happening. And But there's just like this one part in the back of my brain that was like, gosh, this should be 60 minutes long after the witches decide, hey, if, is genocide an option? Oh, okay. Let's just kill everybody forever. But as I said last episode, like, I'm not so interested in, like, the subplot of, like, the witches or the other minor characters. You know, even, you know, it's nice to see Lin-Manuel Miranda on screen. I really don't really care whatever it is his character's up to. And they don't devote that much time to it. It's only, like, a total of, like, a few minutes. That is nice. That is very nice. I'm more interested, obviously, and I think you are too, in the Will, Lyra, Dr. Maloney Baloney, Lord Bory and the b story of miss coltier is also great and Mm -hmm. they don't spend a whole lot of time on that either but they spend just enough for myself to be completely interested and know her to be a threat to lyra's story as a whole so yeah i mean and by the way the witches were on screen for about a minute so it only was about a minute where i was like no this is dumb oh wait lyra's back Yay! Although I can't really say there's not too much that I I like you I guess already spoiled it for yourself. I don't really have any idea where this story is going at this point. The one payoff I want is to like I don't know is did did Will have his soul ripped out? Are we now dealing with Unwill because he lost his soul in the last episode or something? I don't know the answer to that question, and I also okay. want to know that because right, how do they not pay that off? And I think what we're all waiting on bated breath to find out, you know. Will Maloney's research grant be approved and will the department have enough funding to move forward with the next phase of its research? Right. Has she been sitting down and diligently filling out grants for the last three to five years? And does she deserve the money from the, I don't know, National Dark Matter Association? Okay. If she doesn't put in the time, okay, she doesn't put in the effort. She's not going to get that money, James. Right. And, well, and you know, she has to publish those dark particle research because you she know that the University of California is probably all got their own oh my God. dark particle reader over there. She's going to get and they've scooped, got, James. They've got their own little British kid from another oh world God. that they're hooked up to. Oh, my God. She's going to get scooped. You're going to get so scooped, baloney. You better start writing that shit real fast. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. If you're just listening, it means a lot. You can follow us on social media on Twitter. He's at Westworld Ryan, and I'm James Watches Men. You can also catch us on Patreon, HBO Boys, there. Ryan's also doing some Twitch streaming, it seems. Sometimes twitch.com slash tank underscore Johnson. Uh, when you get to make your own gamer tag, you make, make yourself cooler than you are ever and just like i know it's not such like a chill gamer tag but like i think it also doesn't suit me anyway yes thank you for your patronage all of the patrons we did like 15 minutes before this podcast we try to do bonus content before every main podcast that we do that is going to be up on the patreon and i have a hunter hunter podcast that goes up there early on the main channel it goes up on sunday mornings at 9 a.m eastern and on thanksgiving 
will be the second part <laughs> of the plot of the Wicked Westy Town. Do you not want me to say it because of how difficult it's been to edit it? <laughs> uh, I just don't have a ton of free time. It's coming soon, folks. And it, it'll be up on Patreon first without the sound effects and music, and then everyone will get it once the sound effects and music are out, but that takes a much longer amount of time. Oh, man, I can't wait for Thanksgiving. You want to hear it first... And subscribe to the Patreon. Those people who are already doing that, by the way, are as follows. Jamie Lochner, Anthony Wells, Harbaugh, Greg, Nicole, Dave Lemon Podcast, James Rock, My Don, Cliff Wilding, Atheism from Unstoppable, Chris Woodbrink, and Dave Levin, Westworld, Craig Bachman, John Jerez, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Wow, that was like the best ever. When I get to the end, I really get, start rolling those off the tongue as fast <laughs> as humanly possible. I've said those words in a row a lot, a lot. It's muscle memory at this point. Thank you for the dollar or more a month a bunch of extra content patreon.com slash hbo boys boys of the z yes i'm done with that sentence it's uh isn't it prime day is it prime day today is that tomorrow i don't know it is definitely actually yes i do know i don't know why i lied i'm gonna go buy some shit and i'm gonna in, in observance of prime day i'm gonna light a candle for optimus prime who died so that we could have good deals on consumer electronics praise be to prime